Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 159. Oh my gosh, you guys listening back to this episode was such a trip. Um, I've been like, since my knee surgery, I feel like I'm kind of, I'm in like a, a different sort of an ethos as an artist. I don't know if it was just like this kind of cosmic reminder that I am in control of nothing and can truly plan for nothing. You'd think that a global pandemic and like my young and otherwise healthy mother getting like a terminal brain cancer um, would have would have would have taught me this lesson, but uh, it seems as though it's taken this knee surgery. Um, and who knows, maybe I'll forget and I'll have to learn it again. But, um, but I do feel like my brain feels like something feels different now than it ever has before. And it's been really interesting this, like right now, maybe more than, than I've ever experienced before to be listening back and editing episodes from six months ago. Um, these, this beginning of this season that we're on season eight, um, I started recording season eight, like after my recovery or after I, my surgery, um, after I was off crutches. So I I had taken kind of a hiatus and this interview with Jordan that you're going to hear today. Oh my gosh. I was looking back at my calendar of like when we did the interview and it was in this little sweet spot window where like I was off the crutches. So, you know, if you haven't been staying tuned, like I was on crutches for nine weeks and that's not kind of hobbling around with crutches. That's zero weight bearing on my left foot. So like the toes of my left foot did not touch the ground for over for nine weeks for, for kind of over nine weeks. And then naturally when I started walking again, it was really slow going. So I kind of went to like crutches with a little weight bearing and then kind of one crutch. And then I got rid of the crutches, but I would get like really tired and I would kind of like overdo it sometimes. And then like not, it was just, it was rough. So, um, when I did this interview with Jordan, it was at this little sweet spot when I was kind of feeling like a little bit more mobile, um, stairs were still difficult and my knee was still in a lot of pain, but I could kind of walk and I could kind of walk, you know, I could be up like more or less all day. Like I was able to do that, but it was before I got tendonitis in my knee, which slowed me down again for like another several weeks. Oh my God. Anyway, during this little window, I was like so manic, um, just from being still and injured and in such incredible, shocking pain, um, for, you know, months for months. Um, (laughs) gosh, and you can hear it in my voice during this interview. So, um, I felt, I felt a little bit of anxiety and quite a bit of self-compassion, um, (laughs) listening back to my, my poor sweet past self, man, she was really going through it. Um, but I was so excited to interview Jordan. Um, we, Jordan, one of Jordan's projects, Die Shiny, um, was opening for my Hallowed Wide release show. And I know a bunch of Jordan's friends. Like I interviewed his wife several years ago. I met her because, um, a friend recommended her to do hair and makeup and like body paint for, um, my music video move, which if you haven't seen it, I'm super, I'm super proud of it. Go check it out. Um, just Google like YouTube, Emily Merrill move, and you'll see this music video with all of these incredible dancers. And Rachel did such a great job on the makeup and the body paint. Um, and then we got rained out. So everything you'll see from me is from one take. 
which is truly crazy as a person who had never really been in a music video like that before. Um, yeah, lots of pressure, but, um, I'm really proud of how it turned out anyway. I'm also good friends with like several of other of, um, kind of Jordan's friends and these people in these circle, um, had been working a lot with Zach and Callie from Die Shiny. Um, Zach helped me prep some of my tracks for the Hallowed Wide live show. And then I was like, Hey, Zach and Callie, do you guys want to open for me? And they were like, yeah. And then, uh, Jordan plays in their band. So all this to say, we met for the first time that day of the show, um, even though I'd kind of been aware of him and I think we'd sort of been aware of each other for years. Um, and it, it just, I mean, these people in Die Shiny like could have not uh, been warmer and, you know, made that day that it was, it was, a, it was kind of a stressful day. Um, gosh, there was so much going on. Um, this was like last year, almost exactly a year ago that the show happened. Um, it was October 22nd. Anyway, um, I just had this really darling interaction with Jordan that I'll tell you, I'll tell you about in the, in the interview. Um, but it like meant so much to me and I wanted to like write about it and talk to him about it. But then just a f like a few weeks after the show, I had this terrible knee injury and it changed like my whole winter and I mean, really took the wind out of my sails in a lot of ways. So anyway, it's just, I just want to give you this context as you're going in because it really was like, it, it's, it's kind of these, <laughs> these touch points at like six month marks, like, you know, a full year ago, like I meet Jordan at our show and then I'm like, I've got to interview him. Um, then I have this terrible knee injury. I finally interview Jordan right as I'm starting to get better. Um, right as I'm starting to be able to like really walk and move around again and then releasing it now. And it's just, I don't know. It's really like, it's, it's weird for me. It's like giving me some, some weird, like time is a flat circle, but also things change so quickly, kind of, you know, whatever. So um, but oh my gosh, what a, what a wonderful, interesting, kind human. Um, I'm so excited to officially count Jordan as a friend. Um, okay. Let me read you Jordan's bio. Jordan Clark is a musician, songwriter, music engineer, and producer with extensive experience in writing, performing, and recording musical works. As a musician, he has performed with a number of musical groups, including Van Lady Love, named number one artist on The Verge at the 2014 New Music Seminar, and has worked diligently as a solo artist. Jordan graduated from Utah Valley University and attended the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences in Gilbert, Arizona. As an engineer, Jordan has inter interned at Entourage Studios in North Hollywood, California, worked for a short time at New Monkey Studios in Van Nuys, California, and worked at Willamette Mountain Studi Studio in American Fork, Utah. And this is a little bit of an older bio, um, so there's some new stuff. Um, Jordan's in a project now that's really taking off and doing well, um, with his wife, Rachel, who, whose episode you can listen back to. I meant to check and confirm which episode that is, but I haven't. And I'm recording this intro right now. So you can, you can just look for it. It was probably like two years ago and her name's Rachel Clark. Um, and she's a brilliant artist as well. Um, but yeah, so Jordan and Rachel are now playing, um, in this incredible band, um, called Mouth and Zach and Kelly from Die Shine 
Pioneer in that band as well. Um, definitely check them out. And yeah, I think that's all of the stuff that Jordan would want me to tell you about what's going on with him. Um, and then he'll he'll tell more and give um, Instagram handles at the end of the interview as per usual. Um, yes, so prepare to go back in time with me and with Jordan um, back to March of 2023, um, when I was in a completely different state of mind that I'm in right now. It's kind of a precious little, little flashback. Okay. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with the lovely Jordan Clark. Here comes. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. First started this podcast because I've been. This is this is season eight now. I've Congratulations, been doing this, by the way. Thanks. I've been doing this a long time, and when I first started it, I had kind of two goals, and one was I was teaching at BYU. I had I had just left BYU. Um, I I like low key got fired from BYU, you know, because I stopped being Mormon. <laughs> Um, they don't like that. Yeah. That'll, that'll do it. Yep. That'll do it. Um, and it was just depressing, you know, and I felt like I need to connect with like, like-minded artists. So I wanted to start this project, like to give myself a reason to just like connect with like people who are artful in a different way and also to learn how to like use production software. Mm, cool. And I just, I haven't progressed beyond this point, but but this feels pretty good. But you know how to make a podcast. <laughs> I know how to make a podcast. <laughs> well, do you have any questions before we dig in? I don't think so. I read some of your prompts. Great. You know, I, I checked that out. Good. And I'm pretty... Just ready to chat. Yeah, okay. Easy and mate slightly ADD. So, you know, I'm totally fine sure, with it. Sure. I have lots of experience now so I can get us back. And uh, if we can't remember how to get back, that's also fine. So I like to start by talking with people about their childhoods because I'm really interested in like human development and the ways in which kind of creativity like manifests in our early lives and how we can kind of nurture it or not or whatever. So I'd love to hear what you were like as a creative child. What were like the first things you were kind of getting into mm. as a little tiny little baby Jordan? Man. Yeah. As far back as I can think, you sure. know, can remember. Um, I think my first creative love was uh, drawing, you know, yeah. just like a lot of kids. Right. Yeah. Um, were you like serious about it? I was pretty serious. I love it. Yeah. What I, did you draw? I loved... Uh, I loved just copying. I wasn't too creative as far as, uh, composing. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm yeah. going to make something amazing out of my brain. Yeah. I loved finding a book cover and like yeah. doing it exact. Yeah. You know? I hear this from a lot of my guests actually. Like I did a similar thing as a child. And in fact, sometimes I would try to like trace, you know, like a, mm -hmm. like the VHS cover or something. Um, but weirdly, like many of my guests have told me something similar. Just they started with drawing. Yeah, and specifically with like copying things. So I don't know what it means, but it's something. Are you um do you do you have siblings? Like what what were your parent what are your parents like in terms of like 
who's creative? What kind of, how was it received? Were you like the lone creative? Was there a lot of creativity? Uh, So I'm the oldest of four boys. So I've got three younger brothers. Um, I'm also the oldest of four. It's it's good being the oldest. Responsibilities. <laughs> my family. I've. I maybe. I think I talked about. I've. I talk about this a lot, so I wouldn't be surprised if you had heard. But my family's kind of like scary and abusive. So I'm like, my mom's dead, and I'm not in contact with my dad. Um. So I don't know. In the in my family, being the oldest was being like the family scapegoat. Mm. Um. But you know, it's not really an oldest thing. It's just like a. It was just. It's just how it was in my family. Yeah. Yeah. But certainly there are things about being the oldest that are, that are great. Like I took being an older sibling, like very seriously. Yeah. You like that too? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Felt like the younger siblings were looking up to me and I think they were. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, actually like when I started making choices that were divergent from the way my family thought I should, should be going. Yeah. I thought about that a lot. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be disappointing my brother. Like, I still think about it so much. <laughs> do you do you still feel any of that? Not too much. Yeah. Been. You've been divergent for long enough. Yeah, and most of my, <laughs> I feel like you know, all my my siblings are all adults now, yeah. and they got their own lives, and it's like, cool. Like, yeah. live the kind of life you want to live. What's the span? Um, like so how old are you? Youngest, the youngest? My youngest brother, I think, just turned. 36. Okay. So not a huge span. 34. Okay. 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 Yeah. So my youngest sister is 21. So maybe it's still just like, yeah. So it's 13 years and, uh, yeah, maybe my, my younger siblings are just still young enough that it kind of still feels like for sure. Fraught. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with like our mom dying and then like me kind of being fully estranged from dad is like, it's layered. <laughs> I'm sure. We're working on it. <laughs> Try. I'd really like to, to have no. I'd really like to have better relationships with my siblings. Um but my my sister and I are closer than I am with like the brothers are in the middle. Um but we're you know, we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard with the Mormon stuff. Uh-huh. Cuz yeah. are you the only one who's left? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of the only one in like the extended family. <laughs> it's kind of like I'm kind of like Oh, it's you just are the me. black sheep. Yeah. 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 It's intense. Actually, I want to talk more about that later because, well, maybe I'll just say it now because it's now that I'm, I'm already saying it. But when we met at the show yeah. in October, so for the listener, Jordan was playing in Die Shiny that opened for my album release show. That was awesome. Thanks. It was, was really, it was a beautiful night. Yeah. It was a, it was a beautiful day. Um, it was a little stressful afternoon, <laughs> but Sound check was terrible. Sound check was bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> but a nice day, like but a beautiful day. And you said something to me backstage that just like I have been thinking about it for months. Um and it it's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on because I j- it feel like it just gives me a clue about your brain. Um but uh so for a little backstory, um I think like, you know, as an artist and I'm I'm curious like what your experience has been like well kind of go back and talk about your life. Um, but as an artist, I feel like, you know, I was a creative child, like just was excited about stuff as a child and kind of had this thing that kind of felt like I couldn't ignore it. Did, did you have a similar experience? Yeah. I loved creating. Yeah. L- loved drawing, loved. Yeah. And it's just drawing. like a thing, <laughs> just like this kind of thing. And as I got older, like, you know, maybe as a combination of like the particular 
trauma that was going on in my family uh, and just, you know, general Mormon pressures, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like they're hard to tease apart. Um, But, you know, just felt like that was really like I shouldn't be doing that. The creative stuff. Did you deal with any of that? Let's let's. Well, I'll get to it. Tell yeah. me more about your childhood. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. Tell no, me more I'm about what it was about... like. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. Well, I guess different than your experience. Yeah. yeah. No, I felt, as a child, I felt very encouraged to be creative. Awesome. My mom was a pretty good artist at, you know, drawing. Cool. It seemed like my grandparents were kind of creative. My, my mom and dad both played the piano, but... Uh, my mom was definitely the more creative. My cool. dad was like super good at math. Like I think he can still do calculus. Like awesome. Andrew's dad is like that. It's crazy. <laughs> the, I'm like, I kind of remember times tables. Yeah. Like, oh no, yeah. Barely. <laughs> we, me and Rachel were trying that the times tables game the other day and we're like six times eight. The answers were all wrong. All, wait a minute. Wait, is that what it is? Yeah. I type in like single digit times tables into the calculator like more often than I'd like to admit uh, <laughs> some of them I remember but I'm like I better double check I'm like well, I it gets think up to it's nine, but I'm not sure <laughs> nines and eights uh, yeah those were hard <laughs> it's, it was a long time ago fourth grade was a long time ago <laughs> it feels like forever it, it, it is kind of forever um so lots of support you yeah, were, very you, were supportive. you started with drawing. Um, did you ever take any like drawing lessons or did you ever kind of get to a point where you felt like there's a thing that I have a vision of that I want to draw and then you're like working on it? I felt, hmm, I don't think I remember like that so much. Uh, I think I just loved doing it and would just stay f- like hyper focused on it for yeah. hours. I used to draw like, uh, as I got a little bit older, it got really into X-Men. Cool. And would collect the comic books yeah. and just draw my own. I would draw the characters in there yeah. or then I'd like combine them with other cool. characters. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like you were like, it was kind of like, kind of like a project. Yeah. Like it becomes kind of like, like you're working, like you're very serious about oh, it. Just in it. Yeah. I'd yeah. be in it for hours. Yeah. Like I, don't, don't distract me. I think there's something so kind of magical and mysterious about a child who gives themselves work like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's just fascinating. I like, don't think I ever got over that. Where I'm, does it come from? I'm it's, still a project person. I'm like that too. Even just this morning, Andrew was like, the level of self-motivation that you have like astounds me. He was like, how is it happening? Like, but if you get excited about a project, it's like, well, I have to do it. Yeah. I have to do it. It's just, it just is what it is. Yep. So how did it develop? Like, when did you start playing more music? Um, so, what happened? So, uh, my parents had got some of my brothers and I guess my next youngest brother uh, enrolled in piano lessons. And I guess I, I didn't think that was for me mm-hmm. and okay. didn't quite know what I wanted to do in music. Uh, but, you know, every good Mormon household, like you got to play an instrument, you have right? You to play an instrument. <laughs> yeah. It's something I think people don't know. It's but kind of it, a thing. It is a thing. Yeah. Uh, so, so I guess since piano wasn't the thing for me, I, I had uh, kind of gravitated to this old... Uh, steel string acoustic guitar that cool. my dad had. Yeah. And I'd screw around on it and, uh, you know, never could do anything. But I remember for family night, one night we watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Great. <laughs> and at the end of the, of the movie, it's the big climax, right? They have the battle of the bands. Sure. And 
uh, Bill and Ted go on right after Primus. I remember yeah. this, that Primus okay. was in the first episode. <laughs> I don't or know. Or the first movie. Have you ever seen the movie? I, I've seen like parts of it on TV, like oh. in hotel rooms. I don't Maybe know if I it's should. a good movie or not, but it but it changed my life. Yeah. Uh, I saw, yeah, when Bill and Ted got up and, and played in the Battle of the Bands, they weren't good, you know? It's not like they were talented. Yeah. But, it just, man, the electric guitars, they turned me on so much as a nine-year-old. Just switch on. I love it. Yeah. I, uh, the movie got over. I was like, Mom, I want an electric guitar. I want to be able to play the electric guitar. And she's like, well, if you play the acoustic first... Then, you know, maybe one day you can have an electric. And I was like, great. How do I learn? Like, how do I do this? Yeah. And she's like, oh, we know. They had a family friend, yeah. a lady that taught folk guitar. Cool. And, uh, and so enrolled me in some lessons and I started learning how to, how to sing and play guitar at the same time. Amazing. And you were, you grew up in Utah, right? Yeah. That okay. was in Pleasant Grove. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, okay. That you were, said you were like nine. Yeah. Okay. At that time, were you... Were you doing any, like, were you writing stories? Were you writing poems? What any, what, is there any other like kid mediums that were going on? No, I did a lot of like just pretending. I, yeah. I'm pretty social. I was really social as a kid too. Cool. So there was, there was definitely like my introvert time where I would create yeah. art, you know, art or whatever. Yeah. But most of the time I liked hanging. You were out playing. I like out, yeah, roughhousing and pretend, playing and running around. Pretend is like is a medium for kids like creating, you know, then we do this and then I'll be this. That's my whole life. It's theater, you (laughs) know, so fun. It's storytelling and theater for children. That makes sense. I I, I'm, I'm into it. Also like another thing that a lot of my guests say is like, I dug a lot of holes, you know, like just digging holes, which is like, it's like sculpture. It's like pre-sculpture for children, you know, digging holes in trenches in your backyard, making mounds. Like it's something. Loved it. Um, okay. So going like into junior high, into high school, um, how did you start kind of like, like, what was it like going from like, this thing is fun for me to like, I really want to get better at this. Yeah. So there definitely came a point where playing the guitar turned into a chore. Yeah. I think in, in my teenage years, it turned into a chore. Yeah. And I was like, I'm done with guitar. Like, Set it down for a while. Probably didn't like really yeah. play much for a couple of years. Uh, and then uh, jazz band. Mm-hmm. I think it was jazz band. Cool. Probably my senior year of you high school. Playing guitar in the jazz band? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I decided to sign up for jazz band. I'd, I'd actually had picked up the drums. Cool. I kind of put the guitar down. Yeah. I started playing drums about eighth grade because my friends did it and it was a good cool. reason to have a class yeah. with my friends. Oh, you took it at school. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's awesome. And then, uh, and then 10th grade, uh, they all were trying out for marching band. And I was like, oh, is that what we're doing? Okay, great. So I auditioned for marching cool. band and got into the drum line. Awesome. And I did that for my three years of, uh, last three years of high school. And so I was pretty into that. Played drums for show choir, yeah. like did some of that but I love it that's I mean it's I was thinking about this the other day like there there is there is something for like the kids that do like band and choir versus like kids that are playing in a band but not in the school band or like in the school choir it's not like a better or a worse but it's definitely something like it's definitely like it will send you it will send your mind in like a way do you think that's true yeah 
probably a different way. The, there's something about the kind of discipline maybe of being in like the school band, especially in like marching band. That's intense. I loved the discipline. Yeah. I liked doing push-ups. I like all the things. Like, I wonder if that's part of it. Like, if discipline is like a thing that kind of you thrive on. I'm sure some people yeah. do. I mean, even just like for me, because I don't know that. I mean, discipline is such a negative has such a negative connotation. But the structure and the kind of like the a level of high expectation is really can be really satisfying, especially if you're working toward like a level of like a high standard with your friends. Mm -hmm. I feel like there can be something like really motivating about that. Like it's kind I of totally agree. really exciting. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And it can make you want to work hard on stuff that would be really hard to, to do alone. Yeah. Yeah. I so would not have put that kind of attention into uh, <laughs> getting yeah. good at the drums if it wasn't like competition. Yeah. So did you, did you take to that right away? Like, was that pretty quick that you were like, I'm into this. I like this. I want to work hard. Yeah. Cool. And were you getting like positive feedback from like the teacher, from the, from the peers? Like, was it like, Hey, you're good at this. I picked or... up drums really fast. Okay, cool. Cool. It was you had good yeah, rhythm. Yeah. It yeah. didn't take long. Like I got to the middle of the class, like where I was like, okay, I'm about as good as everybody else here. Everybody yeah. else has been doing it for a few years, yeah. but this is my first year. Yeah. That was, it was pretty fast. Did you like no notice that like were you kind of like hey i'm good at this yeah. or yeah what, what was that like how did it feel i remember picking up the drumsticks for the first time and i was like oh i get this, this makes sense this to is me. not yeah it's not hard cool somebody's like oh here's how you do a diddle oh cool yeah, yeah. oh i got that now that's great perfect yeah. oh it's such a nice feeling to kind of feel like this is streamlined like i'm good at this i'm just good at this yeah it's great i mean definitely did not happen that way with other instruments like sure. piano was yeah. definitely not yeah i mean I don't know. Like, this is something I think about as an adult creative a lot of like the satisfaction that that happens when you're when something is streamlined like that, like when you're kind of just you take to it mm -hmm. easily. And then the kind of satisfaction that comes when it's like really, really hard work. It's they're both interesting. <laughs> like you, you, I like to have a bit of both. You have to. Yeah. That's yeah. Especially if you plateau. Yeah. Which is actually that's so after playing drums for a little bit, I had still kind of like picked up the guitar and stayed in it. And I think I tried to start a couple bands yeah. back before high school, but nothing, nothing happened too much. But I remember when I joined jazz band yeah. after having just been in percussion for a while, uh, joined jazz band as the guitar player. And first day of class, I was just like, I don't know anything. Like I know a couple bar chords, but what's a six, nine chord? Like yeah. what's a diminished chord? I don't yeah. have any idea. Yeah. And it was like the most intense three weeks of my life. Just get home and just no time for anything. I must learn how to play guitar so I'm not the worst. Was it like the newness of the thing that was motivating or was it the jazz of it? Like, was it the music or was it just like, this is a new challenge for me? Definitely the new challenge. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. Like I, I, this is, so when I started this podcast, like I, I named it artifice because like, I just think people don't understand these things about artists. Like you know, when you say that to another artist, it's like, oh, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like the challenge of it is like, Ugh. but I think a lot of people wouldn't like that would make sense. So like, can you elaborate on like what, like what about it? Why was that motivating to you? I mean, probably because when I started playing guitar at first, I, I didn't have the knowledge to realize how expansive the guitar is like yes. you can you can go so far in it but i totally get that 
I had started with, you know, open chords, it's open like you G, see open C. see the world like being open in a new way. Totally. It, it like, yeah. It, it changed the fretboard for me. It changed the whole guitar for me. I was like, oh, yeah. wow. Look, look at all these different things I can do. And you were like 16? Mm, I think I was probably, yeah, 16 or 17 yeah. maybe by the time I was doing that. I had a really similar experience. Like I started, I joined the jazz choir in mm. my junior year of high school and was just like, what? is this like, and I ended, I went and got, I have a master's degree in jazz studies. So I kind of, I went that way, but, um, but I think for me, it, it was about the music, but it was, it was just as much about the fact that this type of music made me feel like that. Like it was like, oh, this is a whole different, this is a whole different monster. And it was so intriguing to me. Like, I just felt like I have to know more about everything. So when, before you got into jazz vocals and, and jazz choir, what kind of style were you singing before? Like musical theater okay. exclusively. Lame is mm-hmm. like the most dramatic, sad, intense, like adult things I could find. Okay. You know? I was like, I was, uh, I was dealing with like trauma mm-hmm. and also just all the general teen angst, like, uh, in the, in the only way that I was permitted to, which was like, you know, singing lame is and feeling like I don't have the experience that Fontaine has, but I know these feelings, you mm. know, like I know what some of these feelings are um, and kind of like using the vehicle of these like very dramatic stories uh, to kind of like process what I was going through. Um, but also, so the next thing I wanted to ask you about was like, you have an artistic mind. This is just clear to me. So do you feel like these kinds of things of just like the way that your mind is divergent, the way that like you just kind of think about things, like see people, how, how was that stuff like manifesting itself like in your youth? I feel like as a youth, I wasn't as much that way. Really? Yeah. Wow. I definitely was, you know, a social, I was into sports. I liked riding bikes, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, and maybe this is different from a lot of your guests. I don't know, but it, it, uh, becoming an artist was a, was like kind of a mindset change for me. I love that. I love that. No, I mean, I think I have, I've done like 160 something interviews now. And I, the thing that I always say is like, there's no one thing (laughs) like it everybody's different. So there are things that I hear a lot. There are other things that I hear a lot, sometimes opposite things that I hear a lot, but there's definitely no, there's no recipe. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only thing I'm sure of. Like I remember, uh, you know, I would, I just screw around a lot and make noises on my guitar Mm -hmm. and, and I liked drumsticks, like got really into stomp (laughs) for a while. That, that bit grew. Yeah. Uh, the, do you mean the the musical, like no, the musical the, group? Uh, the st- yeah. The, yeah, the, the, the percussion, yeah. the percussive. Yeah. Yeah. Stomp out loud. Like a touring show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I was inspired Great. by that stuff, but I don't think, I, I definitely didn't think of myself as an artist and I definitely wasn't like out seeing there the cre- world. Yeah. Like and that. I wasn't creating, I wasn't yeah. creating art. I wasn't trying to give my vision to the world in sure. any way un- until, uh, I had a band my senior year of high school. We yeah. formed our own rock band. Cool. We we and and once we started that project, we started playing with each other. What's the name of that project? That one my first band was a band that I did with my old high school friend Caleb Loveless. 
Okay. Do you know Caleb yeah, Loveless? I do. Well, I know Julia. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think I've met Caleb, but I've like been at their house. Yes. Does that count? It counts. <laughs> I've been in their home. Caleb was probably hiding in the basement doing some mastering or something. <laughs> probably so. <laughs> um, he's a music producer uh, these days. You know, he's a mastering engineer these days, but but we both got our start in the band called K. Blinken, named uh, after Caleb. <laughs> That's great. And yeah, I like it. <laughs> it was. And that band was life changing for me. Yeah. When, tell me everything. Oh, uh, getting like when we first started creating songs together. I remember I had a, I remember we were going to try out for the talent show. We were working on a Creed song because Creed was the coolest thing that had ever happened Definitely. at that time. <laughs> and, uh, everybody took a break. They all went upstairs. I think it was just me and Caleb. And I was like, Hey Caleb, check this out. There's a little riff that I wrote the other day, like experimenting with, yeah. Oh, here's something original. Yeah. yeah. And he thought it was the coolest thing. And the band came back down and we started working on it and piecing it together. And that gave me the bug. Mm. And after that, I couldn't, like, I was like, oh, there's an avenue for this creativity. Like, here's somewhere it can go. People who are going to help me flesh out the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it changed. And then couldn't stop writing licks after that. So, like, can you put words on, like, what it, what you, how you think, like, what does being an artist, like, mean to you? Oh, man. I know it's a big one. Mm -hmm. Just, like, for yourself. I guess, uh, I guess there's two ways to look at art. (laughs) There's art for, there really is art for other people. You can choose to make art because there is a a product that needs to be made and there has to be an artist to make it. Right. And I've been in that boat before, but I think as a true, the true artist in me loves just satisfying that need to like make weird sounds or like find a groove that is so satisfying that yeah. just that it just hits the core, and it doesn't really matter if I ever show it to anybody or yeah. It's just like yeah, let me like, just sit in this for just, ten minutes. <laughs> it's like that. It's just like a little feeling. So that feeling, that that thing, like nothing was giving you that before high school, or before that band. I wonder if uh, if uh, some other things gave it to me, but yeah, I don't well, think so. Not in the same way. One of the things that I like to think about is like. I really think like art happens like, so there's the art that we produce. There's like these products and they can be writing. They could be film. They could be any kind of visual art, you know, food, whatever it could mm. be anything. Um, but like, there's something that happens in the mind first. And I think it can be like the way in which you like process other people's art. Like, you know, when you're a little kid and you're like, you know, you're copying all those, like you're copying x-men or you're doing whatever like that's a different step it's like it's almost like a clue that you're like seeing something Mm -hmm. in that and like trying to understand it like there's like some kind of a there's some kind of an interest there or even like i wonder if you know being really social like you know how you were thinking about people like did you feel creative about people as a child like were you curious about people or was it kind of just like it really like turned on later. I think I was more of a, in my own brain, a little more self-centered. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like looking at the world through, it sounds like what you're talking about, looking at the world through this, the artistic lens. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Is it curiosity? Is it like pattern making? Who knows? But yeah, I don't know. It's something I'm curious about. I feel like that developed as I, as I became an artist and had an outlet for that, where I, where I wasn't just, 
using uh, like songwriting or guitar playing to curb my own emotions, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, where it was actually like exploring the human condition or ex- explore it. Yeah. Th- that came later. And I think like you was- needed permission. Do you feel like you needed Caleb? Like, do you feel like you just needed like a, some, like the right kind of witness? Do you feel like you just needed like brain development or was it just like a mystery? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, having, having the, the friends who were creative as yeah. well. Do you, are huge you, help. do you feel like you're like always a collaborator? Like that, is that a key component? of Not your, anymore, not but, anymore? but cool. it used to be, used to be that way. Lots of the people that I've talked about who like collaborate a lot, like tell stories of like not really feeling that thing kind of switch on until they like had their first collaborator, which is often, you know, in like the late childhood, early teens, Yeah, like some little friend who like wants to illustrate the stories that the other person's writing or, you know, vice versa. Yeah. I love it. I, I really think like creativity is like, it's such a mysterious and fascinating thing. Like, I don't know. I'll never get enough of it. So what happened next? Uh, I was just thinking about that, about the, the person that, that helps to initiate the collaborator. Yeah. 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 I think Caleb was that for me for, for a long time. It kind of like set me off on that, on that path. Can you think of why? Like, was it just like a kindred spirits kind of thing? Or like, did he, did he, I I think he pushed it a little bit. He he maybe had a little bit of the drive to be like, whatever. I want to be a rock star. I don't know if he thought that or not, but, but, uh, yeah, I think just catching a little bit of that bug. He gave you a vision. He mm-hmm. gave you a little bit of a vision. That's awesome. And I then, love it. yeah, like I said, I couldn't, we couldn't stop after that. And we did, we kept collaborating for years. Yeah. We were in a handful of other bands together after that. Tell so. me, tell me what happened next. So uh, you, gra- you finished high school. Yeah, we uh, playing in Cape Lincoln. We, Cape Lincoln. We won the high school battle of the bands. We, Your dream came true. We, we got invited uh, by one of our other favorite bands in uh, in the high school at the time. They actually, so yeah, I did the whole like drum line and jazz band thing. But there was this other group of kids who were just like, I figured they were like the stoner kids. Yeah. I don't know, but they played like they were loved dream theater. They loved Metallica mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this band slayed. Cool. And, and, uh, Valhalla, they were, they were called Valhalla. Valhalla. And they, who, who, any, was anybody in it that I w- would know? Let's see. I think the current drummer of adjacent to nothing. I don't know. His name's Craig. He played in that band. That's there was a, crazy. There was a guy, Jake Merrill. You're not related to Jake Merrill, I'm are not. you? <laughs> it might be a different spelling. Probably. So these guys were the best. Yeah, tell me yeah. about it. Like they, what, what was it? How what was your relationship like with them? So they were the they, they were the high school favorite band because they rocked. They were so technical. The cool. guitar player shredded. Drummer was awesome. Like these guys had some serious talent. Yeah. And my high and this is my first rock band, you know, in yeah. high school. Yeah. We were we were not that. We, were, we listened to live and, and Nirvana. Cool. It was a little grungy. It was grungy. It was yeah. chords. It was pretty basic. But uh, that's cool. I kind of love that the stoner band that wasn't in like the marching band was technical. Like, they were so, oh, kinda, so technical, so good. But this is kind of what I meant before of like, there are kids who like come up in like the choir and the band and you're doing like all state and you're like taking that really seriously and you're learning some stuff. But what you're maybe not learning is like, that heart stuff, like totally. the kind of real creativity and like, I don't know, I, I find it like a fascinating thing. And I find that no matter which kind of side you're coming from, if you keep doing it at some point, you have to kind of learn to do the other thing. Totally. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
I feel like I spent like pretty much all of my twenties trying to like recover that whatever that other thing is. Uh huh. Because I was always been so trained. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Really very serious, like very very studious. Okay, which brings me back to this other thing. Maybe I'll just like reveal this thing that you said to me. Yeah. What did I say? Over phases. (laughs) Maybe we'll go in phases. But the thing that I kind of started saying before is like, I think because of how my parents were, they were very kind of like they weren't anti creativity exactly, but it was very like we do creative things in order to get like these other very practical results. It's like you do extracurriculars because like that looks good on your college applications. Ah, yeah. It was very like, you know, really structured. There was no room for passion in like the home that I grew up in, but like I had it, you know, and it was like, what are you going to do? So I kind of managed to squeeze all of that, like very wild passion into like these boxes that would be acceptable to my parents. Um, and as I, when I went to college, I went to the university of North Texas, which is in this beautiful little hippie art town in North Texas, Denton, Texas. Mm -hmm. People call it like little Austin, but it's like the school had a policy that like, you didn't have to wear shoes, you know, like that's the kind of, it was like a public school, but like people would show up to school, like with just shorts on you know, men. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) I mean, it was very like, there was a lot of not bathing. There were a lot of like, there were so many music venues in this little town. It was just like the artsiest, weirdest little place. And I went from Mesa, Arizona, the Citrus Heights steak, which I know you know about. Oh, I do. Um, and just felt so in love. And like, this is where this is like, I felt like a, an arrival, you know, But at the same time, I was still really trying to like get my parents to like me, you know, Mm -hmm. and kind of trying to like solve this other problem. So I feel like I spent like all of these years, like for sure the whole time I was in school and probably for a couple years after I moved here, it's porous, who knows, but kind of trying to do both, like kind of trying to keep all of that like artistic mess, like in a package that was going to be like, uh, acceptable to like useful. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's hard to say like, it's all this or that, but it definitely felt like fractured and weird to me. Um, so I'll get, I'll say it now. It feels right. So the thing that you had said to me, so I've, so I've been thinking for years about this kind of problem of like, it's like a branding issue or like it even like a self branding. Like I get, I get feeling like trapped in these kinds of like, um, in these boxes of, or like this kind of old thing. And it's like, this has served me well in a lot of ways, but it doesn't feel quite right. And when we were chatting before the show, maybe it was after, can't remember, but you were telling me that you had served your mission in Mesa at, in the citrus high steak. And I felt like whenever I talk to anybody who knows anything about Mesa. I get like weirdly triggered. (laughs) Like I feel very strange about it. And I feel like this is like a version of myself that I'm like really trying to leave behind. Sure. You know? Sure. And I was like, oh, ew, I'm so sorry that you spent time there. And I was like, oh, let's not talk about it. And then you were like, but did you grow up in like a citrus grove? Like you said that to me. (laughs) And I was like, Actually, yeah. And for the first time in like my whole life, I was like able to kind of think like, 
oh yeah, there was like magic wild stuff happening there too. Yeah. And I really had never thought about that before. And I thought about it all day. I almost, really? I almost like texted you guys, but then I was like too busy and I was too tired. And I was just like enjoying my mushroom day. Right. So, yeah. But anyway. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text Jordan. Wait a minute. I really want to cuddle up in a blanket. Wait a minute. I really want to eat some cookies. What I really oh, want to do is do like first? cuddle my dog and like laugh harder than I've ever laughed and cry harder than I've ever cried at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of totally more what I, that I day feel felt you. like. <laughs> but anyway, it just felt like really precious. And I've been thinking about that a lot and thinking like, that's like a, that's maybe a solution to this puzzle of like, you know, kind of uh, maybe that's like a route to like integrating like these things. And then I was talking about it with Andrew and I was like, you know, like I have seen in person a Gila monster. What's crazier than that? I've seen in person several horned lizards, you yeah. know, and anyway. you, kind of, you, you grew up in a, a weird, awesome, much different than most people in the United States. Yeah. I like, really had just not thought about it because, because to me it felt like kind of like a weird prison, you know? Yeah. But it kind of made me remember like all of these like little moments that like these kind of like little wild things. And I always feel like Arizona is like, so there's not trees there, you know, like, and I love trees and sometimes I get feeling like I just grew up in a place that's like antithetical to like, I don't know, the like cottage core fantasy that I want to be living in. For sure. It's very Brown. So Brown. But then it's like, no, Palo Verde trees are really cool and they're yeah. all green. So anyway, that's the thing. And I just, it just, it just felt kind of magical. And then I just think like, I just feel like you're, you're probably kind of magical. Ha. Kind of so, magical too, Emily. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> so what happened next? How did you like, how did you like unravel more of this magic in your life? So I got really in once I discovered playing in a band, I think it was kind of game over for me. It yeah. was like my whole Mormon mission. Yeah. You know, we, we broke up so we could all go on Mormon missions because yeah. that's what we did at that time. Yeah. And it's all I thought about on the mission mm -hmm. was like, oh, like my buddies back, like back home when we have that band, that band was so fun. I can't wait to do the band again. Got home from my mission, started a band before I could wait for my other friends to get home. Like, we started a band. Once the other guys got home, they joined the band too. Yeah. Like what, what band is that? Uh, so Caleb was still on his mission. Okay. And then, and then some of our other friends, we started a band called the fifth normal. Cool. Cool. And it was like very inspired by like incubus Chevelle and tool. Cool. Like were you, that were genre. you still grappling with like your Mormonism? I was, uh, still super Mormon. Okay. At the time. How did you reconcile those things? being Mormon and being creative. Yeah. Or being in a band or being, yeah, whatever. I think I reconciled it by realizing that music was never going to be my career. Okay. Because okay. my, my parents, my mom probably mostly really instilled in me that like get a good job. Yeah. Like, like I remember, <laughs> I think that's you, kind of the way I handled it too, but like just a little a little different. I was like, I'll get a master's degree and oh, then I yeah. can be a professor. Then you, you can know? be an academic right. musician, which feels like a little bit more acceptable and like no one will disown me over it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're an academic. You could be a professor. Right. Uh, all I was told was, was that 
a musician's life is no way to raise a family. And that was I'm not just for my parents. The yeah. whole Mormon community kind of instilled yeah. in me that like, no, no, no. Like, yeah. you can't be a good husband and father if you are a, yeah. a musician, if you're touring the world, you know, like, that's no way to live. Yeah. How do you think, how do you like think about that stuff now? Like, what advice would you give to a younger person? Or like, what do you wish you would have been told? Well, yeah, I, I guess I wish I hadn't thought about that at all because yeah. it could have changed the whole thing. Yeah. Because um, eventually my perspective did change. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, I was going to school for uh, psychology. Okay. And uh, which, still. Which also feels kind of creative adjacent. I think I was real interested in the brain and yeah. why people do what they do. You are interested in people. I. But were you interested in people as a child? less so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. How like did, I was just when, social. When you know? did that start? When did you start being interested in people? Uh, man, I don't know if it was so much as I was interested in the human brain as it was, I wanted to help people. I was yeah. kind of an altruistic human. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I just wanted, you I hated to see people are an suffer. Altruistic human. Do, do you think that's true? I think generally. Yeah. yeah. Um, it feels to me like this whole group of friends, like all, all the people that I know that are kind of like in your immediate circle all feel like people who are like highly ethical, who are thinking a lot about like how to be a responsible citizen. Be a good human. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think I and that like surrounding that myself with those people. That, yeah. I mean, why how would you not? And that felt true like back then. Yeah. That, I wanted to help people. Cool. Um my senior year of college, I took one audio class mm. and I was just about to graduate in psychology. I took this audio class and was like, this is the coolest shit I've ever done. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, maybe maybe I've chose the wrong major. Maybe I need to switch to audio. And then I was like, no, 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 Jordan, be, be realistic. You mm. are literally one semester away from yeah. graduating. So I just, I stuffed it down. I, uh, I graduated with my degree in psychology and I moved on. I moved up to Salt Lake. I got a job working for Child Protective Services. Wow. And wow. And I was, I was in that, I still loved music. I still played in bands, but at this time I started going through a faith crisis. Okay. Actually it was probably a little before that. I was probably and about 24. You were already married to Rachel? Uh, I or moved up to Salt Lake to be close okay. to Rachel cause yeah. she was, uh, she was living up there. Did you, were you high school sweethearts or like, how did you meet each other? No, that was, uh, I was playing in this, this, these, I was playing music. I was yeah. in this little, little group. Yeah. I was in my senior year of college. I had some roommates and we all just kind of found these girls who were all going to hair school. Wow. Rachel yeah. was one of them. Yeah. I actually met Rachel at like a, a, a birthday brunch at Mimi's cafe. Classic. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, she was the one girl there that had like hot pink hair at the end of the yeah. table. And I was like, Oh yeah, she's you, alternative and cool. You, and I love this. Like, this is something I love thinking about of like the, the, the early, the early evidence that like, you're looking for something else. Oh yeah. Like just like I was itching. A, there's a wrestle in there. Yeah. I mean, I, and that's a whole nother story, I suppose, of the reasoning for leaving the church. It's related but. to me. Like, I mean, to me, the same stuff that I feel like makes me an artist is the same stuff that made me not be able to stay. Well, I remember definitely using my art to deal with that faith crisis. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I never had even thought the idea of, of God not being real in the sense that I had thought about God yeah. 
had never even crossed my brain until I was 24 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm similar. Like, and I, I even went, I mean, I was in this, I was the only LDS person in my entire program at school, not in the whole school. There were, there was like a little teeny singles ward out there. Um, but I was in Denton, Texas, but I was the only Mormon in like the, the, the jazz studies degree, which was like about 300 people. There were maybe like a couple of other LDS kids in like the classical music program. Um, but you know, t- well, a lot of atheists, um, mostly I think atheists mm-hmm. in the UNT chess studies program. And, uh, yeah, I, I had not even an inkling of a faith crisis until I moved to Utah. Yeah. So wow. I don't know, but yeah, I was 24 when I moved here. So it's kind of so same for you. 24 yeah. faith crisis. Yeah. It's, but a good, were, it's good age to question everything you believe in problems, but I just didn't think they were that. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, I, I had, I had confusion about like, I had confusion about art. Like I had confusion about like, what do I do with all this, like all this passion? <laughs> like, what do I do with these things? Like, how do I make it fit with like the kind of life that I'm supposed to have? Um, and it sounds like maybe you had some of that stuff going on, <laughs> like just a little bit. Like, oh yeah. Thinking about the band, thinking about bands while you're on your mission. Yeah. Like, it was <laughs> just some stuff going on. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not questioning God, but there's something <laughs> There's like, I there's knew, a precursor of something. I knew that part didn't fit there. I mean, there's always been parts of me that didn't fit with religion Yeah, or with not necessarily religion, but yeah, the Mormon, religion, the Mormon faith. Yeah. yeah. And that was, yeah. The fact that the, music as yeah. a career was not an option. Yeah. You know, that's not doctrine. It's just the it's way cultural... it came across to me. Yeah. 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 Um, well it's patriarchy. Yeah. Is what it is. Well, it's true. Yeah. yeah. I have to, I have to provide and I have to be yeah. around and yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same reason why like, you know, it, my experience with that was like, uh, my dad, my parents always told me when I was a child, like, you know, you have to finish school like before you get married or like if your husband like needs to like get a degree instead of you, you know, I always kind of felt like my development and like my education would be on the line, but it's the, it's the, the, it's the opposite thing for men. You know, it's just like, it's equally, it's equally constricting in terms of your career path, whether you find yourself doing meaningful work, whether you can follow your, interests or like what you're best at, um, the kind of necessity of these like gendered roles Mm -hmm. are like extremely restrictive to the individual like flourishing. Yeah. Especially in the patriarchy. It works out for some people, but if you happen to be like a woman who has like aspirations that aren't, you know, children. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that like having aspirations of being like, I mean, there are women who are like the most creative, like vibrant stay at home moms, you know, and that's the greatest, the greatest art project they could ever do, you know? Um, but like, if that's not your aspiration, like, sorry, you know? And for men, like if your aspiration isn't going to pay for like your wife to stay at home, fuck you. Yeah. It's it's rough. That was a, major thought for sure. Yeah. I remember yeah. those early years. Wow. I do remember all that. I hadn't thought about this stuff for a long time. Yeah. Maybe like, more of that's in there than you think. Probably. Yeah. Maybe there's more of that. Cause to me, like those kind of early inklings of like, it's just not fitting. Like that stuff feels really related to art to me. 
Yeah. Like they feel really intertwined to me, but yeah, like the same stuff that feels like me being an artist is the same stuff that was like, can't make it work. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> can't make it I mean, being an, for you, maybe being an artist was kind of a rebellious thought even. Yeah. Or just, yeah, I think definitely like I have an authority problem. That's why I can't have a boss. That's why I'm self-employed. Yeah, like I have kind of an authority problem. Um, but also like, yeah, I just, I, I have a really hard time seeing people as like bad. Like mm-hmm. I just, I really like people. I find people like very easy to love and really difficult to not love. Um, and like, I'm really, I've always been curious about like ideas and philosophies and feel very like how can we say that like this way of thinking is just like definitely wrong if you can't tell me like why it's wrong other than like it's just wrong Mm -hmm. like you know so I've been having like problems with that kind of stuff since I was like a tiny child just like but why but why awesome I don't get it (laughs) yeah your brain was was more free than it was supposed to be at the time way freer than it was supposed to be. Yeah. Way freer. Yeah. I was just a little kid that did not understand any of the rules Mm -hmm. that were around me. Like you were meant to be an artist. You were meant to break some rules. That's why I was thinking like you must have had things like that as a child, but maybe your family was like just a little cooler than mine. I mean, I definitely had that authority thing. Yeah. All growing up. That some of that's art stuff, I think. Cause like art is so like, I was just literally talking about this in therapy yesterday. My therapist, I'm always talking about art things and I'm like, sorry, it's not in the DSM five. Like, I don't know what to tell you, man. I just like, I have to talk about these art problems. I've got an art disorder. <laughs> yeah, I do. I feel like I have art angst, but like, <laughs> how, how do you, how do you, it's such a weird thing to like commit yourself to like making a project that like no one's telling you to make. There's no one to tell you if it's right. There's no one to tell you when it's done. Like, that's just a, that's just an angsty predicament. You're right. Yeah. There's something about it. That's very like, you can't have an authority. You have to not have an authority. Yeah. In that kind of an environment. I don't know. These are unanswerable questions. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm into it though. Like the conversation is like the whole thing that I like, I love that it's unanswerable and it's kind of unknowable. And every now and again, I'll, I'll get someone sitting here who'll be like, this is what art is. And I'm like, "Mm, you haven't thought about it enough, (laughs) but I don't know. So, okay. So what, so what happened next? You moved to Salt Lake, you're working child protective services, Mm. you're playing in a band. Yep. I had gone through a little bit of a faith crisis at that point. Right. So, uh, I, uh, be, oh, actually, yeah, even before I moved to Salt Lake, I decided to start writing songs on my own because growing up in Utah, everybody moves away and goes on missions and I'd start mm-hmm. bands with people mm-hmm. who were younger and going mm-hmm. on missions. Yeah. And Darn it. I was, I was just so over, I was over looking for a lead singer. Sure. Sure. And, uh, so I started writing songs on my own and I was like, you know what? I don't have a great voice, but I mean, Bob Dylan did it and, and. Connor Obers can do it. Like mm-hmm. it's no, so no much more about like the, the soul of the thing. Yeah. So what was it like learning to like write lyrics for like, were you writing lyrics for the first time? Pretty much. What yeah. was that like? I mean, it was the first time I'd written lyrics by myself. Our, our first band, we'd, we'd all get together and we'd write all the lyrics oh, together wow. and it was very therapeutic and it was very psychological, yeah. you know, yeah. cause that's my friends. We were all like that. But, uh, when I started writing lyrics for myself, that's when it turned into 
very much of a, of a catharsis. Mm. Like I'm do, I'm writing this song to help me work through these feelings that I don't know how to express any other way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, it did that for years. I started a, I started an alt country band called Shady Chapel. Cool. Cool. And, uh, yeah. Double meaning in there. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Great. Great. I love it. You know, right after the faith crisis for sure. Or during and. And were were you and Rachel married yet? When did you get married? Uh, we got married in 2008 and that was probably, I probably started doing that right. 2006 or something messing around with writing songs and and stuff. Like I, I started the band. I graduated college. I moved up to Salt Lake to be close to Rachel yeah. and to take this job. And, and sorry, go ahead. I was just, uh, yeah, thinking of how things progressed. I I'm think- wondering if the two of you were like being artists together yet, or if that was like a thing that started happening later. That was much later. Okay. It was yeah. much later. Did you kind of know that you were both artists? I know you weren't like using that word. Maybe I, she was. I felt like Rachel was creative in a different way. I, being a musical artist, definitely no. I didn't even think yeah. anything about Rachel being yeah. a creative musical artist. I definitely didn't think that one day we would have a band and that she would be the lead singer of it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It yeah. never crossed my mind, even <laughs> so you know, after we were married. Um, yeah, she, she just she had a much more creative spirit than yeah, I did. Yeah, she's, she's, she's got like a wild... She's wild. She's wild. Yeah. She's, and I, wild. she's free. I, I followed the rules a little bit more, even though maybe I had a problem with authority. Like yeah. I'd still like tried to fit the mold for yeah. a while. Yeah. And then <laughs> I think the big turning point for me when I realized that I couldn't just have my life be 40 hours a week doing something that I was not passionate about. Yeah. Cause I mean, helping families and it's great. Like there has to be people out there that work for child protective services. There has to be therapists out there, all the jobs. Yeah. But for me, I was like, man, if I'm going to spend 40 hours a week doing something, it needs to be something that I am passionate and, and would just do anyway. Yeah. Cause I I can't do it. Yeah. I remember there was a court. I, there was one day I was at court, uh, for, for some case I'd been sitting around all day. Finally, it was my turn. I get up there and within five minutes, they recess to next month. And I was oh like, gosh. what a waste of a day. Yeah. I sat here in this courtroom for five hours today yeah. so they could give me my five minutes and say, come back next month. And I was like, I'm done. I'm not going yeah. back to work today. I'm going home. I went home. I started working on recording music. I'd, I'd picked up a DAW. I had started learning yeah. how to record on my own. Cool. And my supervisor called me and was like, Oh, Jordan, where are you? He's like, Oh, court got over a little early. I went home. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on music right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well come back in tomorrow. Yep. Great. See you tomorrow. Yeah. That was when I finally realized like, Oh, this is not sustainable. For yeah. Me. I, yeah. I, I think maybe I should have gone down that audio road. Oh, and was uh, that, did you feel like grief? Like, was that, was it sad or was it like great or was it both? It was definitely a conflict because yeah. I finished school. I was into my career. Yeah. What I thought, I hadn't quite made up the choice yet either, actually. Yeah. Uh, fast forward a couple years, Rachel and I had been married for a couple years and, uh, I was working in therapy. I'd been, I was working at a, an outpatient drug rehab clinic and, uh, Rachel started suggesting that maybe I needed to do music full time. I love it. And it took a, it took a little while 
But finally, I think it must have been like 2011. Yeah. Uh, we both moved. We moved down to Arizona. I started going to school for audio engineering. And cool down there, I think, is where I started to. I was in Arizona. I was away from the the Mormon church. Yeah. Yeah, was that kind of when you made the switch when yep. you moved? Yeah, I was. Nice I was still in it, it it's but nice to do it when you move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's such a funny story too, because our parents would call us every week and be like, "Oh, you know, how's it going down there in Arizona? Did you did you get a chance to go to your new ward yet?" And They're it was just kind of worried about you. Oh yeah. Oh man. It was uh, week after week. We're like, no, didn't didn't make did it, it this week. <laughs> feel weird going back to like the place you had been on your mission. A like, little bit, was that but it was kind thing? of fun, actually. Yeah. I'd get to show, you know, yeah. and show and Rachel around. did you around always and... think Arizona was kind of magical? I liked it. it, yeah. Okay. My it cousins didn't, It lived... didn't take going back? No. Yeah. My cousins that were, were there, and I used to go there a lot as a kid, and it was, I mean, it was magical. Yeah, yeah. The cactuses are so cool. It and... is. The monsoon season is crazy. <sighs> so cool. Yeah, the monsoon season is crazy. It's weird. I feel weird, like that not every child had that. You know, it's one of those things as a kid, you think like everybody has a monsoon season. Yeah, nope. <laughs> but it's the, probably the same as thing as like kids who have snow days. Like, think like, don't all kids have snow days? Yeah. So, who knows? Cool. That's true. I get that. Yeah, so, no, yeah, magic. it was magical to me though, for I sure. I love that Rachel, like I love stories of like the partner, like being like, no, you clearly need, you clearly need to be doing something else. Yeah. It's, it's like a victory. So <laughs> it's cool. The journey to becoming an artist. I was a guitar player. I was a musician. I was not an artist too much until yeah. I met, until I met Rachel. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm wondering, like, were you artists together? Like, yeah. it, how took, do you took think? a while? It's like, so it feels to me and I did interview Rachel. So I know a little bit about her past as well, although it was years ago now, but it seems to me like Rachel was just like undeniably an artist. Like she was just a child who was always, an artist. Always. Yeah. So did, did, she, do you feel like she like saw that in you before you saw it? I think there was some of that. And then I think that she, I mean, I don't know what the truth is, but the way yeah. I perceived it, it seemed like she kind of romanticized artists. She, mm. especially like the rock star artists, mm, mm, mm-hmm. very much romanticized. She could them. see like a bit of a vision of something. She could see it and she craved it. She mm. really wanted to be like with an artist. And I think she kind of <laughs> sculpted me into it. Yeah. I had the tendencies and I loved, I loved creating. I, I, you know, I had bands or whatever before, Yeah, but, uh, She's the one who convinced me that I needed to pursue music full time. Yeah. Before that, were you guys like talking about like ideas and philosophies? Like, were you doing, were you having like art conversations before you were like, I would do that with my dude friends, but yeah. v- almost never with her. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's why. Or like, does that feel, is there something significant about it? I mean, it was pretty early on in our relationship. Yeah. You know, it's like, vulnerable. Was, uh, yeah. Too vulnerable. Baby. Andrew and I talk about this kind of stuff. All the time because we got married when I, we met when I was 21, he was 23. Um, and we got married when like I was 23 and he was just about to turn 25. Wow. And it's so young, so young. And it's funny. Like, I think we have similar stuff. Like he started out as a jazz drums major at BYU. Um, and then he switched to physics because provide for a family, you know, but also like in retrospect, like Andrew is not meant to be self-employed. Like that's, it's good that he 
it's good that he's not a professional artist. Um, I think it would have, he would have been one of those where it would have killed it, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. some of the, some of like the best artists I've ever known, like they can't do it for a profession cause it just, it wrecks it. Totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, we think about, I think about this all the time, like, you know, how we kind of found each other before we were, either of us was like really ready to like, <laughs> come to terms with like the truth of our beings, mm-hmm. you know, or something Hadn't quite figured out who you were. Yeah. And I it's guess, scar- or who the new you was going to to kind of talk about it. Like it's, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting, like unveiling of something or something. Did you two have art conversations yeah, a lot so as, much. as yeah. early married or dating? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But it was definitely more like we were talking about like a uh, gay rights you know, oh, yeah, we yeah, were, yeah. Like we were, we were talking about like social change, um, and getting right up to the edge of like grappling with like our religion, mm-hmm. but like maybe not quite stepping over that line, but like getting closer to it than we were, you know, than other people we knew were getting to it. Other Mormons. But you think of art for you, art is thinking outside the box. I think so, yeah. And and thinking thoughts that are nonconformist to the culture you grew up in. Yeah. Is yeah. I guess in that way artistic. It's yeah. thinking outside the box. And yeah, so, and to me I like finding someone who was LDS who I could have those kinds of conversations with. I think to me that was kind of like that was going to be non-negotiable. Like I I don't think I I don't know that I could have married someone who wasn't willing to like kind of go there with me. Um, but I don't think I could have like said that, you know, it was totally. all kind of very like just test little tests, you mm-hmm. know, just like little, maybe tests. you didn't even know it at the yeah. time. Who knows? I mean, but I also was having like beautiful art conversations with my classmates. Like, I mean, it was a very philosophical time. I feel that. Yeah. For me, it wasn't necessarily my, my spouse, you know, yeah, but yeah. yeah, my dude friends that I was playing yeah. in bands with. You were going places. We we loved getting deep into what the, kind of stuff were we talking about? Oh man, we would. I don't even remember. We would just, but we would just real deep conversations about, yeah, philo- philosophy yeah. and and psychology yeah. and just anything, why people do what we do. Anything new? I just like I don't know. Like I was just saying this yesterday in the interview I was doing yesterday. Like. Anytime I hear an idea that is like, unlike any idea I've ever heard before, like I'm like, I'm jonesing for that feeling like 24 seven. That's cool. Give me a new thing. Give me like a brand new thing that like I've never thought about before. It's all I want all the time. I'm addicted to it. I think (laughs) I can't can't get enough of it. Yeah. So stimulating, uh, just something new, like anything that's like a paradigm shift, like anything that makes me kind of like, you know, you'll get a piece of information that like makes you kind of see the whole world in a new way. Like something stupid, like, you know, you learn something about like how supply chains, like food supply chains work. And like, uh, sure. you know, like in America, like part of the reason that we like eat so much corn is because of like the, su- the supply chain and it's just like cheaper and easier. And mm-hmm. It doesn't really have anything to do with like. But it's just, they're like these enormous things that are just dairy. Yeah. (laughs) Anything like that. Like if you've never heard, you never heard or thought about anything like it. And then you get a piece of information that makes you kind of like, like see the world, like in a whole new way. It's just like, I want as many of those as I can get my hands on. 
get my brain on. That's how I felt after watching Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, mind blown. Yeah, these are new thoughts. Yeah. Nothing I do matters. Yeah, or like, I'm sure, (laughs) like, I mean, if you can remember, like, the that's kind of how I felt the first time I heard jazz. Like, it's that kind of same feeling of like, what is this? Like, what is improvising? What are these? What? How is this music functioning? Or like, you know, the first time you hear about like Indian music. And that it just has like a whole different thing going on. Sorry, what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, I'm, I want all of that. Like, or like, um, part of the, part of the thing I love about like these conversations is like other artists who work in other mediums will just tell me things that I'm just like, are you serious? That's how that happens. That's just like delicious. You know, the best facts, the absolute best facts. Um, so yeah. That's, I'm, I think I've, that's been a through line since that's so I was cool. a little baby. Like, give me the new info. You like having your, your mind just I want my mind wide to be open. so blown yeah. all the time. Can't get enough mind blown. That's cool. You know, what are you going to do? Have Keeps a podcast. Talk to people. You should do that. You should yeah. get a podcast and <laughs> blow the mind open all the time. Talk to cool people all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So what happened next? Tell me the story. How do you get from then to now? Man, we're, oh yeah, we left the church, we... Moved to Arizona, <laughs> Okay, started... I think this is actually when I finally considered myself an artist. Okay, yeah, what happened? What was it? Uh, I mean, had made all the art, I'd made, had a, the band, went to school for audio engineering. Uh, when I was down there, like, had left the church, started having a whole d- different way of thinking. Um... We moved out to LA for a little bit. I worked out there and it was really hard trying to be an audio engineer in the most saturated music area in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty quickly realized that LA wasn't the place for me and that Utah probably had a lot of good uh, things going on for it. Yeah. So, uh, with a little bit of inspiration from my old friend from my first band, Caleb, 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 uh, mentioned to me that he was starting a band and that dude, we're going places, you know, like this is van lady love. This is van lady love. Yep. Uh, So I moved back from LA so I could join that band and I showed up to practice on the first day and I am so ready and like get to play in a band with my buddy again. And this is going to be good. And I'm like, great. So like who writes the songs? Like, Oh, we don't have any songs. It's like, Wait, excuse me. What? How, what? How are we starting a band? Yeah, I, I thought yeah. you. Were, I thought you guys were an established <laughs> band. You guys have played shows. What? You know, they're just cover songs. <gasps> okay. Yeah. So, so no one writes songs for the band. Yeah. And it was made up of three songwriters, as far as I'd known. It wow. was. It was Caleb. It was Travis, and it was uh, Garrett from Strange Familia. If you know okay. G- Garrett I, Williams. I don't know him. Man, so all these great like. It was like the talent pool that should have just done it. Yeah. Why and, weren't they doing it? I don't know. For some reason, they hadn't written any songs. Wow. And so I stepped in and was like, well, I'm the newest guy here. I guess nobody's writing songs. Yeah. I write songs. I'm going to start writing some songs. Cool. And that really started the shift for me where where everything that I thought turned into to, was turning into art. Like I, I didn't have mm. thoughts that weren't going to turn yeah. into how can I make that a song or like, what does that that. mean? Or is that, that's a pull quote. Like that's a beautiful thought. Like I didn't have thoughts that weren't going to turn into art. That's awesome. Was that all the time? And then I started and, and there was the whole paradigm shift too. Of I remember I'd I'd see old friends. Oh, Jordan, what are you doing these days? Like, 
yeah, what are you doing? Oh, I'm a musician. You know, I'm yeah. a, I'm a full-time musician. I, I make records on the side, like whatever, yeah. like, and, and, and that was such bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you mean- I was just like, I was kind of a full-time musician, but I wasn't making any money. I was, I was a pr- producer in mm. that I knew how to record a record, but I didn't know how to produce a record. Yeah. And I was mm. just faking it till I made it. Yeah. And, but, but saying it out loud all the time, like, oh yeah, I'm a professional musician yeah. and, and, and I'm a, an audio engineer and I'm making records. And I just, cool. I really, I really convinced Where did myself. You get that confidence. Like how, what did you, was that just like, I that's think, a Jordan gift? I think or? going to school and having been surrounded for a certain amount of time and then doing an internship in a recording studio out in yeah. LA, uh, I, I, I put you in the money, I put in the time and I was like, well, yeah, I'm a, this I'm is a, what I call it. I'm an audio engineer yeah. and, and, a professional musician. Well, also the idea that like your art has to be tied to money for you to like claim that title is also just capitalism and it's, it's also, yep. that's bullshit, but it's hard. It's like, you know, yeah, we, we, I mean, it's such a perennial topic of like, what's a real artist? Like, what does that really mean? Totally. And people have a lot of opinions about it, but I feel like if you think you're an artist, you're an artist. Definitely. Like if that feels like, if that feels right to you, like who am I to argue with that? Totally. Who is anyone to argue with that? It's like a, it just is what it is. I think for me, I needed to feel like what you're saying, like the, the yeah. art was tied to finances Yeah. before I could, before I was allowed to give it full attention, full-time yeah. attention. Mm-hmm. If it's not my full-time job, like but job. But you were kind of giving it full-time attention in the, in the background for years. Yeah. 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 For, for years, but, but never allowing it to actually take the forefront. And so moving back from LA, yeah. joining a band where the, the goal was, yeah, we're going to be a band that yeah. freaking sells out. Like yeah. we're going to, we're going to yeah. make it happen. So when all of your thoughts were art thoughts, when all of your thoughts were like, how's it going to turn into art? Were you specifically thinking about songs you wanted to write or was it, was it bigger? Or was it like, was it, what's our brand? Was it, what are we like? What? I was less involved in the business side of okay. things and thinking of how I was less concerned about how the group was perceived. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was much more into like. You were just thinking about songs all the time. Usually lyrical content and, and, uh, lyrical concepts, storytelling concepts cool. and and, you know, and, and chords and melody. Yeah. Well, um, this was this perfect segue. The next thing I wanted to ask you was like, how does it feel like writing riffs, writing chords, writing music and writing lyrics? Like, do they feel like one precedes the other? Do they feel totally separate? Are they like, you know, how, how do you think about that stuff? Mm, I can definitely tell you that lyrics are the harder part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Cause there's only 20, there's only, there's only 24 chords. Basically, you know, we can talk about extensions, but like basically 12 major, 12 minor. That's really kind of what we have. That's awesome. And we have 12 notes. Yeah. That's it. You know, so like lyrics are all of English and, you know, if you or all of whatever languages you speak. Yeah. Which like it, it makes sense. The lyrics are the hardest part because of that. For sure. So there's just more material yeah you know it can go you can't do that much original stuff with music that's true i mean i i think you have to be with music it's more about like 
at least this is what I think, like creating an original body of work, like combining things in a unique way, but everything in so, at some level that anyone's writing is like been done. There's only, there's only so many melodies. Totally. It's just like mathematically it's, but maybe you're kind of like combining things in a new way, but it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's always going to be slightly original, but yeah. of course, yeah. And G it's chords not, it's been not played to say in a hundred billion songs. Right. And <laughs> it's not to say that like someone can't make something that's like arresting in like a completely new way, but the, but the raw material is like totally kind of been made. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of. So yeah. Lyrics are production though. Are like hard. production is also like, there's a lot of ground to break there mm-hmm. still. Oh, Seems like the doors keep being blown open on that all the time. Totally, totally. But so, rules with, you follow so still, were but... you mostly thinking about lyrics first and then building music to like be a nest for those lyrics? Or were the musical ideas ever kind of like on the forefront? It went so many different ways yeah. with me, Emily. Cool. I, mean, I love I'm sh- it. I'm sure songwriting's similar I'm for you. Similar. Well, do you know I teach songwriting at UVU? I did not know that. I teach songwriting one and two. Um, so I think about this stuff a lot, but uh-huh. um, I, I think about it a lot and I get very, I really, I tell people all the time, like I really try to like give my students like a, a dead poet society experience, like mm-hmm. minus the suicide in, <laughs> in the school. Like I, you know, we're in like a fluorescent building, but I want it to feel like, I want it to feel like something bigger like I want it to feel philosophical but I think a lot about like the way that we use music to express tangent like abstract or more literal ideas and I think you can do you can use lyrics to express abstract ideas you can use music without lyrics to express concrete ideas Mm -hmm. so it's like there are many many paths to take it's to get you know where you want to go you Those can, concepts get me excited. I like thinking about it like that. Me too. Like thinking about like the the basic recipes of like there's chords, there's melodies, there's lyrics, and there's like structure, and then production. Like you know, to say nothing of like production or, or arrangement. Um, but like, yeah, if you start down one of those paths and like use the other components to kind of like, I mean any number of incredible things could occur. Yeah. So what do you tell your students in, in songwriting or maybe what's your perspective on it? Do you feel like lyrics precede melody or melody? No, I like, I try to teach the way that I teach it is like, wait, I talk about these kind of like essential four components, like, and, and because it's not a production class. So if we're thinking like traditional songwriting in the sense that like you could, you could play it with one instrument. And voice like you could do it with piano and voice you could do it with guitar and voice doesn't mean it has to be like that but you know kind of paring down to those essential components which i would say are harmony melody form and lyrics awesome and i like to talk about it like what can we do to be like to max out our creativity in like each and then you know depending on kind of where you're beginning like i i like the idea that you could start anywhere like mm-hmm. start with harmonies, start with melodies, start with lyrics, start with structure, and then, you know, use different methods to kind of like get you to the end of a song, but, sure. but to kind of respect each, the the creative potential of each equally. I think if I had a favorite way that I like to do it. How do you do it? I think my favorite way <laughs> is... To, to get a little inspired by hearing some music earlier in the day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then get me in a body of water. I need like a hot tub or a shower. Yeah. <laughs> and 
I love create, and then I like creating like a melody and a lyrical hook. Cool. Without any other music, and then go base the song around that after yeah. after that. Cool. But I feel like my I feel like the best songs that I've that have come out are usually that a they're, they're melody usually a lyrics. melody, a lyrical yeah. hook. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Like that you feel that way now after having like not experimented a lot with language, like as a child, I know. were you reading a lot as a kid? I went through phases, but not generally. But you were chatting. Yeah. You were talking. I was a talker. Yeah. You had ideas. Mm-hmm. Did you have ideas as a child? Like, were you like wanting to talk about ideas that you had? I'm sure. Yeah. Especially more as like a teenager and yeah, yeah in my- that's in there. Yeah. When I was asking like, you know, how was like this art stuff manifesting? I'm sure it's that it's like having ideas, talking about ideas with friends. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's just a long time in the past. Oh my gosh. Yeah. A lifetime ago. <laughs> I know. I'm really interested in childhood development, but a lot of people are like, my memories of that time are real foggy. Totally. But the idea of like a child having like an identity is fascinating to me. Like the way that like, cause I think a lot of children sort of just take on the identity of the adults around them. And I find that a lot of people who grow up to be creatives, like kind of had, kind of had like an identity as a mm. child. Um, I don't know. It's just like a theory. It's just like a theory that I have, <laughs> but, or, or like these, these creative inclinations that aren't explicitly tied to a medium, like, where's the evidence of those before? Like, it's almost like it's this amalgamation of like brain stuff, social stuff, tangible, like hard skill sets. I don't know. Yeah. Well, That's I mean, all that stuff combines anyway. Like we are the sum of our parts. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's true for everybody. Like I am, I'm sure it's the same for, I'm sure it's the same for scientists. I'm sure it's the same for, you know, whatever kind of you end up, however you end up spending your time you know, to a greater or less extent, depending on like how much maybe the individual is kind of like trying to like actualize themselves or something. Um, but I do find that artists are kind of uniquely positioned to like talk about those things because you kind of have to, you kind of have to think about it Mm -hmm. to be an artist where like, maybe you don't have to like think about the thing to like be a very artful business person. I don't know. Maybe you do. Yeah. I haven't talked to that many of them. I never crossed so. that bridge myself. Yeah. <laughs> I should, maybe that'll be my next adventure. Learn how to do business really well. I mean, I'm just interested in people. Like I just think people are like, it is, we're a fascinating creature. Like it's, it's a fascinating, it's fascinating. And like, you know, I think a lot of people would agree that creativity or like, you know, imagination are kind of the things that make humans unique. Like, the ability to kind of like, you know, think about the past, imagine a future, imagine something that doesn't exist yet. Um, I mean, yeah, that's creativity. It's totally. Um, and so artists are kind of doing that thing, like in a particularly interesting way to me. Yeah. But like, so are scientists and so are, you know, people who are any kind of entrepreneur, anyone who orchestrates any kind of social movement. I mean, it's, if you get thinking about it, it's hard to think of any professions that like aren't that, yeah. you know, at some level. It takes creativity to, to succeed in all those areas. Yeah. It takes creativity to just like be a, a, a human who survives. 
you know, including if you survive completely out of society. That's also, you'd have to be real creative to make that happen. You'd have to be so creative. Yeah. <laughs> I love um, watching YouTube videos on those people. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. So fascinating. Cool. How and why? Um, and how are you alone all the time? It's seems upsetting even as a person who's quite an introvert. So, so you moved back here working with Van Lady Love, realizing your like artistic potential in a new way. And then what? Man, in the creative journey. Yeah. The creative journey gets complicated, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite. You can talk about whatever you want or, or you can just skip to now and we can talk about like what your art philosophies are like in the present. Yeah. I'm really interested in like the, the creative development, like the idea of a child kind of like growing up, becoming an artist. And then it's like, and where are you now? But yeah. we can talk about whatever you want, like whatever, whatever you feel like is important to your story. I mean, it just, obviously you know it better yeah, than it goes I do. A, goes a lot. <laughs> the things that develop and that have made me kind of the perspective I have now. Yeah. Um, in Van Lady Love, we focused so much on trying to be like, we got to be a band that makes it. Like, yeah. We got to, yeah. this is going to be a career thing for us. Yeah. And so writing a lot like that part was so authentic, but there was a lot of unauthentic parts that mm, came along mm -hmm. with it and trying to be whatever you think a rock star should be at sure. the time, you know? Yeah. Um, and that band, it was, it was, man, it, it was really good. It taught me how to write well-crafted pop songs yeah. or, I mean, it, it taught me like everything on how to really do it just right. Cool. Um, after I left the band, I started working at a recording studio and, uh, we went through a brief period where we stopped taking clients and we just focused on making a music library, cool. uh, for, uh, for licensing, licensing. to TV. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And during that phase, uh, I, I actually had time where I was allowed to just write songs. Like if I couldn't find somebody for the day to sign up and to get their catalog of music in, like, yeah. Well, I'd fill in the gaps by writing the gaps, like cool, writing cool. the things that we needed. Yeah. And that was so fun because yeah. there was not any limits on it. Like, mm. a, and there was a way I could be productive and justify yeah. <laughs> spending an entire day crafting and just being creative Yeah, because I was getting paid for it. Like that was the, that was the purpose. Yeah. So that, oh, Emily, it was so fun. I did, <laughs> I did like a handful of songs that were just fully electronic. I love like it. Stranger Things inspired, you know, yeah. and I. I did some folky things and I'd have guest explore. singers sing and cool. Uh, and then it was actually because of being afforded this opportunity to write music during the daytime hours as a job where I didn't have to worry about clients and I didn't have to worry about deadlines. It was just like, yeah, be creative, like give us some content, I something that we can use. And uh, it was on one of those days where I, I had been thinking, that if I ever did join a band again, I, or if I ever did tour again, uh, because it was so hard in Van Lady Love, it was so hard being away from my home and from my family. Yeah. Um, even though we were never very gone very long, but we did do one three month coast to coast tour. And after three months of not seeing any of the people I love and just being stuck in a van, yeah. I was like, I'm never doing this again unless it's, unless it's with my wife. Right. Uh, and 
I think those thoughts kind of got me thinking like, oh, I really wish I could start something with Rachel, but she was never really into the things that I wrote. Mm. And I'd been listening to a lot of Courtney Barnett cool. and was just like, I love Courtney Barnett. I love her style. Like I want to do something that's kind of like that, like a little more simplistic focused on lyrics and good melodies and female fronted. And maybe I could write a song that Rachel would like. And I grabbed my acoustic guitar and I wrote our first song for yeah, mouth. Uh, I love it. In, it was seriously, it was one of those magic moments that you probably had where yeah. it's like lyrics, melody, structure, everything done one hour. Yeah. Like it's song pretty done. rare. Yeah. So rare. It's rare for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's probably happened to me like a handful of times yeah. my whole life and that's yeah. it. Yeah. And cool. hundreds of songs, right, yeah. have, have have come yeah. out, and, and only a couple of them have been that way. But uh, Rachel was stoked. This I showed was, her the how song. How long ago was this? Because this is twenty nineteen, okay. probably early twenty nineteen. And it took a second because of the pandemic. Yeah, we. I think we. It may have actually been twenty eighteen that I wrote that song. Yeah. Showed it to Rachel, and she was like, "Yeah, I, I like that. So like, I met I would Rachel do a band like, with that right at that same time you like did. I met her like right around at that time because I was making a music video and she was doing makeup yeah um hair and makeup for the video so yep, I, I met that. her and she was she was talking about like oh I'm kind of starting this new we're doing this new project and it was like nothing was really like it was brand new I think it was kind of brand new yeah which is awesome yeah and now tell me what's happening now so, uh, yeah, we, we released an EP and we, we wrote a whole thing. We released our first EP in 2019. Yeah. We had the pandemic. We took some time off. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, we did. <laughs> we just released a second EP. Cool. And I guess speaking more towards the, the art of it, the first EP was me in my studio writing lyrics and melodies and riffs and recording it pretty much by myself, yeah. taking it to the studio and having some help from my friend, Joel Pack yeah, with, yeah. with the mixing and, cool. and additional production. And then as we kind of got into the second EP, I wanted to really start incorporating Rachel a lot more and the rest of the band awesome. a little bit. And so she would help with some lyrics and help me get the ideas so that they felt more like they were both of yeah. our ideas. Yeah. And also it's a female fronted band and I am not a female. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so... Want it to be a little more like have that authenticity. Or, I, yeah, yeah. Like let's cool. just not have a bunch of bro songs being sung by yeah. a front yeah. woman. Cool. Let's, let's get front woman songs. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And so these days now, like two EPs later, yeah. uh, we've, we've finally started really writing together and this yeah. new EP is, uh, there's not a song on it. I don't, that's, that's not going to be written by at least me and Rachel, if not by Zach and Callie as well, when we're cool. incorporating I all of us that. into the band and and you guys are like you're playing a lot it seems like you're, you're busy like in kind of high demand yeah we've been playing i've <laughs> uh, been playing a lot of shows we get asked to play a lot we turn down a lot yeah just cool because you can't play them all even though we wish we could yeah uh our next big adventure is we're heading up to boise at the end of the month to go play the tree fort music fest sweet this will be our second year playing that that's great oh it's so fun so fun and then, uh, you know, we'll pl play with some other touring bands uh, from out of town. And cool. It's going to be a fun year. That's awesome. I'm so happy for both of you. Are you getting, um, are you getting like, in this current day and age, are you getting art inspiration other places besides music? Like, where, where, are, you, where are you getting inspiration? Like, where is your kind of like art brain getting like lit up? Like, besides when you're actually writing? Like, where is it coming from? I get... I mean, I think I told you that I get really inspired by being alone in a body of water. Sure, sure. <laughs> like, yeah. That's really You're good. Just like a little fishy. Um, 
I also have learned about myself. I don't write in the water, but I've learned that I need to like be in the ocean like <sighs> once a year. I just like, I just think it's like important for my mental health to like just be in the ocean at once a year. It Yes. From, it's like, uh, I have to get in the desert sometimes. I've got to yeah. go out and be in some red rock. I feel the same way about the ocean too, yeah. though. Like it feels, it feels so good. I hadn't been to the ocean in like several years. And like, I used to go, we used to go to California like once a year when I was a kid and like, I hadn't gone in a long time and, and went back and was like, oh, I can't ever let that happen again. Like, yeah. I just have to, I have to get my body, my body in the ocean it's sometimes. Like- Going home. We're going to go really far back from an evolutionary perspective, right? It's like something going home. About it. Yeah. Some, <laughs> go back to where we came something from. Something about the bigness of it. And I don't know. It's just, it feels important. Oh, I love it. I agree with you so much. Yeah. So yeah. Are you, th- I mean, I, I, like I, I, I just know like, you know, these, I, you and your friends, like I, I see you guys like thinking about big things, like talking about big things. Do you want to talk about any of that? Like the non-music stuff, just like what it means to you to be That's so weird to me. Non-music. Person? Cause my, my, you know, I'm a, I'm a record producer and, uh, playing a band with my friends and my wife and uh, all my friends are musicians. Oh, yeah. and it's, it's hard to think of a time where I, Music is not, or just like you know, what, there, your, what your kind of like, what your art values are, like, in a way that's like not specific to music. Like, what are what are you what are you getting at? What are you like? What are what are the topics that you're thinking about? It's always human relations. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, I've yeah. I I've never been one of those people that wants to write a, a song about a movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I saw maybe the feelings from a movie or sure. or something like that. But for the most part, it's I think for the most part for me, writing music and being creative is st- still <laughs> even with all I've learned, it's still a, a a way to just have some catharsis. Yeah, it's a way to be able to express the, the things that I'm. Yeah that I'm feeling that I don't know how, or that I don't want to speak about. Yeah. yeah. Or that I just, or maybe totally. that I haven't figured out and I'm what, just figuring it out by, I really relate to that. By like playing it. kind of have to figure it out in the making of the thing. One like working out a thing so much. Yeah. I feel that a lot. Like sometimes I write a couplet or like I write a verse or something and it feels really right. And then like, as I'm thinking about it later, I'm like, I know what this means, you know, like it takes me, That's it awesome. takes me like later sometimes to kind of like put it together, yeah. like connect the dots. Yeah. Sometimes for me, a song has to be finished before I'm like, oh my gosh, that was me dealing with this thing. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'll kind of be like, oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On the back end. Um, do you, but so I think like you, you're, you write things that are not autobiographical too. Like you're writing about like things like, people things that mm-hmm. aren't necessarily yours. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's a, a little more ambiguous dealing with concepts. Sure. But I think some of my favorite stuff is, uh, someone's auto, someone's yeah. biography, sure. <laughs> biographical, right? Like yeah. I take a lot of inspiration fr- from, um, some, from friends who are going through some, yeah. through the stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about, so one of the things that I like to think about with this, like, what I like to call like the artifice stuff, like these kind of unknowable mysteries. Like think about this kind of triangle of like the, or, I mean, I guess you can think of it as triangle or however you want, but it's three. So like the artist, the art and the audience, Mm. do you think about like the relationship between like the, the things you make 
and the audience or like the things you make and yourself, uh, yourself and the audience, like anything, anything you've noticed or observed, like in any of those. Tell me one from you and that might spark a memory Mm. for me. Well, I don't know. I mean, I do think like, you know, so some people will say like, there's kind of this philosophy, I forget what it's called, but there's a name for it. But that like, as soon as the art is created, like the artist doesn't matter anymore. And like, the only thing that matters is like the relationship between the art and the audience, the viewer, and like what the artist intended or like meant, like it isn't part of it. And I never, I don't really agree with that. Like, I think if someone wants to feel that way, that's great. But I'm really interested in like, I want to know, like, what does this mean to the person who made it? I want to know, like, I want to know what the person who made the thing thinks about it. I want that lens. And then, you know, I might also think like, oh, it hits me this other way. But, um, but I'm interested in that. And, you know, maybe like, as an artist, I certainly feel like I want the people who see my things, like if they'd like to know what they mean to me, I, that feels like important. To yeah. Me. That's kind of like a non thing, but maybe that's you're saying. Thing. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I feel the same way when I listen to some of my favorite songs, especially when the lyrics are, yeah. are, are they sound autobiographical. Yeah. I'm always thinking like, Oh, what is this? What did this person write about? Like specifically? Yeah. Or like, how did you make this? Like, how did, why this? Like, what's, what is, what's, how did this come to be? Or also like, you know, another way that a lot of my guests have talked about these kinds of things are like, you know, what's the distance between yourself and the things you make? Is it like, like, so we already kind of just said, like, sometimes you figure out the thing, like in the writing of it, sometimes you synthesize the thing first and then put it down. Um, but I don't know. It's just like a mysterious, it's a mysterious thing. <laughs> like these, the art is like kind of yours. It's kind of the audiences. There is a relationship between like the artist and the audience, especially for music. Cause you're, they're performing it. Oh yeah. I don't know. It's just, do you have any, like, do you have any philosophies about any of that? I mean, I do feel like the, the ultimate goal. I mean, I guess it's different hats, you know, when I'm an entertainer, when I'm on stage, right. It it doesn't matter. That's artifice too. You could have a terrible day. You could be, you know, whatever, like you're going to show up as a version of yourself, but it's like, it is like a, it is, you're doing a a job. Yeah. I'm up there to like, I want to see smiles on people's faces. I want to like make people feel like moving and rocking out and yeah. Yeah. Screaming yeah. if they feel like screaming, like that's that's awesome. Is there anything else about like the creative process that like you find kind of mysterious that you like wish people knew, or just like anything else that you're like people don't think about this, or like sometimes the way I'll phrase this type of a question is like, what's what's like awesome about what you do that like n- people don't know, <laughs> or that like what's like the thing that you know? I, mean, I don't know what you're getting at, but. I love, uh, I love being in a room (laughs) writing with other people and the expression of that's on our faces while we're writing. I love how it's like, you see somebody sitting there just staring blankly Mm -hmm. off into space and what are they doing? They're working. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. You want to know what songwriting looks like? It looks like. uh, Well, I joke about this with my students. (laughs) Like when I'm writing, I like go to, I take a nap sometimes. 
like I I go lay down and I like I'm thinking so so hard mm-hmm. about the thing and I'll kind of like drift a little in and out of consciousness and then like I forget it. I figure it out. You know, yeah. but it's like when when I was so when I was riding the Hallowed Wide, it was like during the pandemic. And so Andrew was home and like, he'd never been around me while I was writing before. Oh, yeah. And he would like come downstairs and be like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, Shh, I'm writing. He'd be like, you're laying on the couch. And I'd be like, no, I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I'm writing. My position like, doesn't matter. This is what it looks like. This is what like, writing looks like. I need it to go in the dark. I need it to be like, I need no stimulation. Like pull the curtains down. Like I'm sitting at the piano. I'm like, I know the puzzle that I'm trying to solve. I know like. Yep. I know about how many syllables I need. Like I know kind of what it needs to be. And I need to go like, just sit and think about it. I need to just like lie down and think about it. I love it. Yeah. But I, I'm a pay. I, I'll pace. Yeah. Pace back and forth. And <laughs> uh. yeah, yeah. That's a perfect answer. Yeah. Like it's just like a, this little kind of behind the scenes, like, Oh yeah. I also think like just in general, like the idea that, like you said before, like you're th- kind of thinking about it a lot of the time. Like you're probably thinking about stuff way before you sit down to like write anything. Yeah. Like, these ideas are kind of. Yeah. Maybe the th- a thing that people don't quite, quite understand is that it, it, yeah, it's, you don't just sit down and today I'm going to write a song. Yeah. It's, it's for me, it's actually weeks of preparation of, my brain has to be in songwriting mode and, and creative mode where I'm like, uh, absorbing these feelings and absorbing this perspective. And because it's easy for me to turn that stuff off when I've got engineer brain on Mm -hmm. and I'm making somebody else's record. It's Mm -hmm. like, there's certain things that need to be done. And I will, I'll I'll think about different things. I'll think about mic preamps and game staging, but for a songwriter, yeah, it, it takes me usually a couple songs and then weeks of just like, being in the zone, constantly thinking about philosophies of, of yeah. life and, yeah, and, totally. and then eventually, you know, something sticks. It's not that it sticks. It literally just pops it its emerges. head out. It yeah. emerges in, in a single phrase or as a yeah. super cool riff yeah, or as a, as a, you know, melancholic melody or something. Yes. And when you're dealing with something that's that kind of mysterious and meandering and nonlinear, you really have to teach your brain to do something very odd. I, I find, and I find when I'm t- when I'm working with my students, like you know, they they talk about like sitting down to write and nothing comes, and I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> you started too early. <laughs> like you're you're skipping steps. Yeah. Like, well, what are you what are you gonna write about? And they'll be like, well, this breakup, and then I'm like, but what? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like you need more. Like. Or if that's your method and you just sit down and start writing, you're not going to think about it before. You're probably going to write a lot of stuff. Yeah. Then start writing. Yeah. And just go. Yeah. If that's the way you're going to do it and you're going to like free write and then edit, like y- you can't just sit there. You can't just sit there with a blank page. <laughs> like it's, it's going to take whatever kind of like meandering path it's going to take. And you have to kind of just be patient. Mm -hmm. I I think a lot of people would also be surprised about how much, how much time you spend with nothing. Yeah. Before it's something. Uh, same along the same lines. Uh, I feel like you can't, some people are afraid to even write down 
a lyric that they're not fully committed to. Totally. I don't know if that's bad or if yeah. that's good, but I write down a hundred lines that yeah. are pure shit. Me too. And, and you have to kind of do it to f- get, to figure out what you're doing. Yeah. I have to anyway. And, and edit it. And even after it's recorded, it's like, no, no, you can, I can still go change those lyrics. I can change that melody. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's set in stone, especially when you're the one tracking it yourself. You know, yeah, you don't. It's not- a draft until it's not a draft anymore. <laughs> exactly. And only you get to say when that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I heard. So I guess I get very frustrated sometimes, especially when I haven't been in songwriting mode. And then it's like I really need to write some songs. Like I'm feeling the urge. I'm feeling creative. I feel like I want to, but the stuff that I'm writing is just garbage. Or like, mm. how could I ever write a song as good as this one that I wrote? You know, or how can I write a song as good as this one that that person wrote? Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, do you know Robin Cage? Yeah. She just said, I never met her. Uh, you should have her on one day. She's fantastic. She's on my list. Uh, she said something to me the other day that I have been thinking about often. What uh, is it? Especially, you know, when I'm writing songs and, and she said, you can't, what was it? How did she put it? You can't. You can't compare somebody's finished product with your initial idea. Yeah. And that's, that's such a problem that, I, that I'll have, especially because c- I'm a music producer. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. I know how to get it from step A to step Z. Like, I know how mm-hmm. to get it all the way across the finish yeah. line. But, but dealing with the emotions of, of like, this totally sucks. This idea totally sucks. Yeah. Th- that's okay. Like, yeah. don't, don't be, don't worry about that. Like, just move on and get the idea down and maybe your lyrics are totally lame. That's awesome. How's the melody? Kind of cool. Pick out the things that are cool and I'll just go with that. And then I'll be like, okay, these are all filler lyrics and whatever. Yeah. And maybe I come back later and I'm like, you know what? Those weren't filler lyrics. They were awesome. Yes. That's so real. It's like, it needs the rest of the context in order to like be the thing it needs to be. Yeah. Totally. One thing that I think about a lot and I tell myself it a lot and I tell it to my artist friends a lot is like, you just don't know what you're in the middle of. Like you just do not know. You don't know what you're in the middle of. You could feel like you're at the beginning of something. You could feel like you're at the end of something, especially when you're thinking about a body of work. Like, you know, when I was writing my first album, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't have written the hallowed wide, you know, like at that time. And I was writing when I was writing my second album, I couldn't like, but when I look back, I can see like the breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. you know? And then I just think like, if that's true, like what I'm doing now is breadcrumbs to something else, you know? Like yeah. you just, like I could be at the end of one project. I could be at the beginning of a next of the next, or I'm just in the middle of something bigger. And who knows what that is? You know, yeah. you just don't know. Yeah. Creativity know is so unpredictable. Yeah. Actually, kind of funny. I, I did a co-write the other day with a friend of mine and, uh, we sat down and we tried to write a song. And the first one was like, we're like, that's kind of cheesy and stupid, isn't it? Yeah. That's kind of cheesy and stupid. Let's move on. Yeah. So we moved on. We came up with like another, a better chord progression, you know, better mood. The mood was darker and it was vibier and it was, oh yeah, this feels cool. Yeah. And we started, we, we wrote three lines or something and yeah, then that was it. And it was like total burned out. And I'm just like, I can't write anymore. And she's like, I can't write anymore. And yeah. we, we called it a day. She leaves. No joking. <laughs> she leaves. 15 minutes later, 
I feel inspired. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling kind of inspired on this new chord progression. And even though I'm not writing a song anymore, I guess I can write a song. Yeah. Took another hour, sat down, full fledged arrangement, like, wow. you know, got all the all the chords and rhythm and all the stuff yeah. down, and the structure was down, and I'm like, that's great. Start writing a couple of lyrics, you know, and off we go. But it's so funny because a full day of trying to write two different songs that just total yeah. garbage, yeah. nothing works. She leaves new new change of headspace for whatever reason, yeah. and out comes the song. And so I think. It's just, you have to kind of you learn to trust your gut about it. Trust just, the process. Yeah. I, one of my guests said something that I think about a lot. Like, this is the gift of this podcast is like, my guests will just say things that like, then my brain is just like full of these like awesome. little inspiring things. But he was like, you just, you just keep pulling on the string until there's no string left. And sometimes like, it's a really long string and it's a whole book. Um, he was, he's a comic book writer. Um, and sometimes it's like six inches long. You know, like, it's just like, oh, yep. like you, but you have to just pull on it. Like you have to keep pulling on it until you get to the end. And sometimes it's just nothing. And sometimes it's something really cool. But like, if you don't keep pulling on that string, like you miss it. That's you cool. have to, you have to pull on the strings that are nothing and you have to pull on the strings that are something you don't get to kind of pick. And it's really true. It's a great I like analogy. That, Emily. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. You can thank Doug Wagner for it. Oh, yeah. Doug. Doug. <laughs> shout out to Doug Wagner. Doug, <laughs> a great guy. Like what a cool dude. I'm going to keep pulling on the strings. Yeah. Just got to pull on those strings. I love yeah, that. It's scratch, good. Scratch the itch until it don't itch no more. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and just, I don't know, let it be a weird mystery. And sometimes you have to spend a whole day like, you know, writing bullshit. Yeah. And then just your brain gets all tired and then that like little idea is just in there in the studio. I'm always, I'm always taking my hands and like, just chick, 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 bring them close together. It's like, as you're pushing all the little things into, into a line, you know, it's just like right now they're all spread out. So we're just, yeah. chick, 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 chick. So yeah. let's, let's scoot them all together. Oh, there we go. Now they're in line. Yeah. And you just don't know. You just don't know how it's going to happen or how long That's it's cool. going to take. You just got to keep, just keep pushing everything an into a line place. until it finally gets all there. And that's maybe like, there's something about like the artist condition. That's kind of just like having the stubbornness to just like do it, just to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, confidence is maybe not even quite the right word, but just like, it's a bit of faith. So, so much. Yeah. It's, it's like not focusing on, not focusing on, on what you want it to be. Right. Just go with the flow. Just, yeah. Yeah. Keep creating. Just Radical keep acceptance. going. Here, here. Yeah. I feel Amen. like that's the biggest, uh, the biggest hurdle to me is when I'm like, this idea is stupid. Jordan, you're stupid. This chord, like quit judging. The song's not done. Yeah. Just let it be a draft. Yeah. Do all the stupid things. Get them all out. This, I'm going to go back and listen to this later so I can remind myself. <laughs> Oh yeah. Like yeah, uh, when just I was writing my second album, I've told this story on the podcast before, but like I was recording a bunch, like I, like I would record little ideas as I went just like on a zoom recorder, not yeah. like in a studio. And like, I went back, you know, a while later and I was, I think I was trying to think about like making content, like for like, you know, this is how the writing process happened or something. Mm -hmm. I just like, I felt like just kind of recording a little bit as I went and I, f I found all those files, like of all those like short little recordings, like a year later, like after the record was done and was clicking on some things and like, what is this? Like, what is this? And then like clicking 
and kind of being like, oh, that turned into this. And just being like, those are unrelated ideas, completely unrelated. But like all those dots in the middle, like got me mm-hmm. to this other thing. And it's just, no one would believe it. You know, like I wouldn't believe it. <laughs> like if you show me that other thing, I'd be like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. But it was just like the precursor. It was like this idea started in like, started in a different meter, ended in a different meter, started in a different key. Like it just, but you, you could connect the dots. Mm -hmm. Like if I clicked on each recording, each little file, it was like, Oh shit. Yeah. It's kind of like, Oh, first draft, second draft, third draft. Okay. Finally, the first real draft of the song. Yeah. It's cool. It's so cool. I love doing that. The pre stuff is just like, sometimes I write in this way. Sometimes I have an idea already, like with like a lyric or something. And sometimes I just sit down and I just like put my hands on the piano and I'm trying to picture like a color or like a scene or like something visual and just kind of bang around until something happens that feels like that, you know? That's cool. And then just try to pull on that string and, you know, yeah. yeah, it's weird. I feel it's like weird. I do the same thing. Just yeah. Sometimes just sit down and beep boop around. Yep. But that's a lot of beep booping. Like when I was writing the hallowed wide, like Andrew would be like, you have been playing the same two chords for like a whole day. And I was like, sorry, like we're both working from home and this is my, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, but like, I just, something cool will happen. But it was two just, chords. It was probably it was a great song. Process. It was breaking room. Yeah. And it just, I was playing the same chords for a long time, trying to like, trying to crack it, you know? Yep. Well, Jordan, this has been lovely. We've been talking for a long time. This has been great. <laughs> Have we been talking for a long time? It's been like two hours. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was like 20 minutes. <laughs> I, I just like, I really like in that moment like talking backstage, I just was like, I have to talk to him more. I just like have to talk to him more. So thanks for that. You like, I feel like you gave me like, you gave me like a little, you help me like crack, crack something. Help me like crack a, crack a puzzle. Awesome. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. I feel I, inspired. So thank you for uh, having me on to chat about creativity. This is, you're welcome. This is super cool. What's better? Like, I, I, I love the idea that we could just like, you know, with anyone we meet or would like to meet who seems creative to be like, let's go to lunch and just talk about stuff. We're too busy. So a podcast is like a hack, you know, Yeah, we feel like we're like making content and we are, but really we're just talking. We're just chatting. That's awesome. This was the purpose I needed. I'm so glad. Um, I ask everybody two closing questions. They're short, they're little, um, just so we don't have like this awkward ending where we're like, "Mm, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, on this day, what's your dream collaboration? Who's someone that you'd love to work with? You could summon someone from the grave. You can build a whole team, whatever you want. What's a dream collaboration? Ooh, oh boy. Um, Lance Lowry said he wants to make a shoe with Nike. That's awesome. It's a great answer, right? Yeah, I, I don't remember everybody's, but I remember that one. Oh my gosh, it's such a big question. I know. I, I've learned to tell people, like, just whatever answer comes to you, like, in this moment is the right answer for this moment. Yeah. You can think of something else later, and that's fine, too. I think it would be fun to create some music in a room with Mike Einziger of Incubus. Cool. He's the guitar player. Cool. He's got a, he's, he's done stuff with Hans Zimmer. Yeah. He's got his doctorate like wow. in, in musical composition or something I, I like that. No like idea. he just seems like, and he's like, he's just he's a good guitar player. He's kind of like the dude that influenced so much of my style on, uh, on that, guitar that and, and with like pedals. That could happen. Like just. Maybe you should, one day. You should just maybe go just email, reach out email to him. him today. Like right now. <laughs> just, just 
Hey, I Mikey. Mean, what's he doing? Follow you on Instagram. What's he doing now? Raising two pretty girls who play violin really well. Yeah, and... he he might be up for like some kind. He might be up for something. Who knows? Maybe my dream could happen. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like you didn't pull someone from the grave. Like yeah. it is possible, you know. That'd be too fa- too fantastic to pull someone from the grave. Yeah, yeah. Some <laughs> people do though, and then sometimes I like it. Like sometimes, like I like interviewing film people because they will put together a whole team. Uh-huh. They'll be like, "This is the leading man. This is the director. The score is by." And I'm like, "Wow, I want that movie. <laughs> Make that movie for me." But yeah, I think this collab could happen. I feel like uh, a lot of the a lot of the collaborations that I've wanted to happen in life. Have, You're doing have them. happened. Like yeah. I feel like I get to work with some of the people that I've idolized. That's like, cool. Like my my all my musical formative years, yeah. and I've had the chance to work with them and and make stuff happen with them, and it's That's awesome. Great. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. Maybe I should choose people from the dead. <laughs> yeah, or like maybe cross medium or something. You know, maybe like a non musician. That'd like be maybe fun. a collaboration with a visual artist because <sighs> that was your first love, kind of. Yeah. Who knows. Okay, and then tell everybody where to find your work. Ah, yeah. You can uh, check out my current band uh, by looking up the band Mouth. That's M-O-W-T-H. Mouth. Mouth. (laughs) The band Mouth, uh, yeah, on all the Instagrams and And I'll have to look up which episode is Rachel's so that I can, like, say it in the intro so people can go back and listen to that. Well, it was. And, and oh. people should come visit me over at the studio too. If you're looking yeah. to make a oh, yeah. make a tell, record or a production, uh, I, wor- I work mouth. at Rigby Road Studios. Rigby Road in Salt Lake, and uh, yeah, you can check was, out RigbyRoadStudios.com. I was researching your projects at Physical Therapy this week. Just had ice on my knee, and I was like, just clicking around, making sure I was prepared. So, yeah, isn't there? Do you have a third? There's a third handle in your Instagram bio. Oh man, I have like a, a solo project called No Nah Never. No, not ever. Yeah, as in like, will you tell me about it? No, no, <laughs> no, not never. ever. You gonna <laughs> tour? No, not ever. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I like it. <laughs> but there's that as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, do you yeah. want to say what your Instagram like so people can find all those things, or is that not? Are you not? Maybe I should start a link advertising tree, huh? that. Yeah. Uh, no, if you want to follow me, it's Giordagio Giordagio, like Adagio Adagio, but. But Only J-O-R. the geekiest of music people are going to get that one. So <laughs> they'll like it. They'll, they'll they may like it. <laughs> well, Jordan, thank you so much. What a beautiful start to the weekend. Yeah. Thank you. Emma. Hooray. I'm, you're so welcome. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.